San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, everybody, my name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iRomoney.com, and we are free on iTunes if you download the, uh, uh, look up the title of the show. And also, you can hear this show on any device uh, if you download the app for 760 KFMB as it airs. And this is the time I usually thank Richard, our CPA extraordinaire, um, and family office expert, and, and welcome to the show. But it is his night off, and we have a special edition tonight with the Berry Good Food Foundation again. And heading up the show and the Berry Good Food Foundation is Michelle chickarelli Lyric. And Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Joe. It's always good to come back. Absolutely. I know we did a great show on uh, sustainable uh, meats. We did one on uh, soil science. That's and, right. And tonight, what are we talking about? We are talking about food waste. Uh, the numbers are staggering. You know, look, food waste really represents squandered resources, water, land, energy, labor, capital. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and not to mention greenhouse gas emissions. So if we can talk about it, let people understand what it is, where it comes from, what they can do about it. And, and uh, you know, first is stop wasting. And second is if, if there's food waste generated, what, what to do about it. And so we have a lot of people lined up today to talk about these mm-hmm. issues. So Michelle has been heading up uh, this started this whole venture started about what seven years ago with the the very good food uh, annual dinner very good night dinner at your beautiful home in La Jolla Farms and um, now you've got this terrific website and five hundred one c three doing all these events and and things and uh, your your website is for the foundation is what verygoodfood.org. There you go. So all the right. Inf- so what we try to do is provide information to consumers to let them really understand the larger implications of the food choices they make, how it affects their community, their health, and the environment at large. Wonderful. So I know you've got a lot. It doesn't sound as sexy, but it really (laughs) is. It's good stuff. But you have uh, uh, roped in so many great people, uh, the foodies of of the county and the world, including people like Jason Mraz, who I heard sing with you at your home and and working on this uh, documentary film on, an, on another subject related to this. so uh, Sadly, we are not going on tour together. Okay. <laughs> but there's always karaoke. There's always lamplighter, right, Michelle? So, um, Don't but... give away my secrets. <laughs> that was a great time on your birthday, by the way. I won't forget that for a while. But um, anyway, without further delay, because we we're going to do eight guests uh, tonight, or have eight guests, and uh, the two in studio right now are Jennifer Gilmore with KitchensForFood.org. Welcome Kitchens to the show. Kitchens for Good. Kitchens for Good. Isn't that what I said? Yeah. Uh, I think you said for food. Oh, Kitchens for... <laughs> maybe I did. I'm thinking food you all the th- time. You anyway. are, you're already ahead of the game. <laughs> Kitchensforgood.org. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be here. And then also with you is uh, Ilva Windy with OneToOneMovement.org, correct? Yes, thank you. All right. So where do you want to start, Michelle? Who well, this, we... I really like what Ilva is doing at One to One because it focuses on the larger issue of waste generally. So I'd love to hear, let people hear what you do there with the students in well, particular. Well, let's uh, describe who she is. She's the education program manager for One to One Movement. And that's the is that the website, the number one and T-O number one movement.org, right? Yes, that's okay. perfect. So, and you're based in San Diego or? Yeah, we're a San Diego-based environmental nonprofit. Wonderful. And I see you're involved with youth and and schools and all that. So tell us about you and what you do. Yeah, so I'd like to talk about what we do in schools with the AWAY project. 
The Away Project is a waste reduction hands-on experiment that we take to San Diego schools. On a Monday, I come and I give a presentation on why waste is a problem. And then we ask the students to participate in a hands-on experiment in which they have to collect their own waste over a week. And then I come back on a Friday. We (laughs) analyze what it is they collected, sort it out, and then they have to brainstorm how they are going to reduce their impact, how they are going to reduce their own waste. So it's hands-on, it's engaging, and also it shows them how they are agents of change and how they can make a huge difference for the planet. And what percentage is packaging, would you say? A large percentage of it is packaging, particularly because we don't ask them to collect the gross stuff in their bags. So Uh they're not actually collecting the orange peels and the biodegradable stuff. What we do instead is we ask them to fill that out in our hands-on, in our um, app Uh that we have created for the program. And so they fill in on the app what it is that they couldn't put in their bag. And then inside their bag, we have a lot of food packaging. A whole week's worth, huh? Wow. Joe, I just want to add, though, what, you know, the, in the San Diego landfills alone, the largest you know, component is organic matter. 15% of that is food. So uh, it's not insignificant, you know. Right. Of course. Um, the landfill, are we, are we turning the corner on the landfill at all, or should we wait for another guest? Does anyone have an opinion on that? Because I know they, they say we're crisis levels here, right? And, We'll talk about that with some of our later guests. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, stay tuned on that. But this is great. So uh, how did you get involved in this uh, uh, this pro- project? I mean, it's an interesting um, project. Yeah. So the one-to-one movement has, is a brand-new nonprofit. Um, mm-hmm. It's been around for about four years. I personally have a background working with youth. And I think that if you want to affect real change, you have to get youth on board. Mm. And what I really like about one-to-one movement and this program in particular is that it shows students how they can make a difference. And they have to figure out ways that are tangible, that are realistic for them. And get some thinking about their environment. Now, what grade levels uh, do you serve? We do the Away Project in grades 4th through 12th. Excellent. Even to high school. Mm -hmm. Terrific. Wonderful. So uh, we'll have all these websites on our website, iowamoney.com, because I know we have a lot of people. And I guess so if you want to connect with Ilva and her, and her organization, that would be a good way to do it. Or it's uh, one-to-one movement, but it's the number one and T-O, number one movement.org. Um, now we also have uh, Jennifer Gilmore with us with kitchensforgood.org. Uh, you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do, Jennifer? Yeah, so uh, Kitchens for Good is a social enterprise, which means 70% of our budget is earned. Uh, and we run a fabulous catering and events company, but baked into what we do is culinary job training for individuals facing barriers to employment. And as part of their 13-week job training, they learn everything from knife skills to life skills. Hmm. And they also create beautiful meals for food-insecure San Diegans, predominantly using product that other people didn't want. So you're, you're training chefs, basically, is that correct? Yeah, it's the second largest industry uh, in San Diego. So after they go to chef school, they go to your organization? And learn no, we teach them to pre- uh, to be chefs, oh. and then we help them get jobs. 95% of our graduates are employed, and they're earning an average wage of $13 an hour. That is phenomenal. Where are you located? Where's your uh, Where's the facility located? We're located in Encanto at the Jacobs Center for Neighborhood Innovation. Ah, okay. Right near where you had your panel. That's That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And her students, in conjunction with some of the chefs that we brought, who used it as a teaching opportunity, um, prepared the amazing food that we served. And I'm sorry that the folks who 
who watch it on video didn't actually get to partake because the food is at least half of the event. Yeah. Well, tell us a bit about the, the food bank. I don't think enough people realize uh, who they are and what they do. It's a pretty important organization, isn't it? Well, San Diego actually has two food banks, so we're fortunate in that way. And they distribute approximately 45 million pounds of food annually huh. to about 435,000 San Diegans, many of which are kids. Mm. So people just, uh, people in need show up and basically go through your, how does the food Both food banks um, are distribution centers, so they store and distribute food. And oftentimes the uh, organizations they're distributing it to are food pantries, soup kitchens, um, faith-based organizations, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you just and so, Joe, yes. the reason this is so critical why we bring this back to food waste is that if we all just reduced food waste by one quarter, we could feed all of the world's hungry people. Huh. A one quarter reduction. It doesn't take that much. Not to mention on San Diego right here at home. Right? That's exactly right. <laughs> the same numbers pretty much hold true. So if people have uh, additional uh, cans or uh, uh, food that they want to donate... Uh, yeah, I'm, how, how they go about doing that? I Both food banks uh, accept food donations, uh, and so they can visit the websites. Um, there's Holidays are right around the corner. There'll mm-hmm. be food drives um, in all the major supermarkets, and certainly encourage people to donate. Well, we ought to get your websites uh, uh, noted right now. So what uh, what would be the best ones for San Diegans to, to work with? I would visit feedingamericasandiego.org, also sandiegofoodbank.org. Very simple. You can also uh, go to sandiegocounty.gov, which has tips for donation and storage. Ah, perfect, perfect. Storage for you at home, which is how to reduce the waste to begin with, right? Yeah. Absolutely. The worst thing we can do is let it end up in the landfill, which is unfortunately where the vast majority of organic food matter ends up right now. So we're going to make changes. Yeah. Yeah, And I think one of the exciting things, um, moving over to Kitchens for Good from the food banks, was... Kitchens for Good presented an opportunity for us to divert even more food away from the landfills. And there was one week when I was working as the executive director of Feeding America San Diego, and we had overripe tomatoes. They would have been beautiful for sauce, but they were just a little too ripe to distribute to families in need. Mm -hmm. And they ended up going into the composter. Mm. And what Kitchens for Good does is they can take those tomatoes and return tomato sauce, soups, stews. And that's critical for San Diegans' hungry families, um, and especially seniors and children who need a heat-and-eat option. Wonderful. Well, congratulations. You've gotten some nice, uh, received some nice awards and tributes yourself, so you must be doing some great work. So all you chefs out there, get over to kitchensforgood.org, learn how to cook and learn how to cut down waste. And uh, folks, get over to the food bank if you need to, like to donate or if you need some help, so not to worry. Anyway, we uh, want to thank Jennifer Gilmore and Ilva um, let me get I want to recommend that maybe all of your listeners at home try what Ilva does. Maybe we should all try saving our waste for a week. Imagine what we would discover about ourselves. Yeah, maybe do a little journaling or something. That's huh? it. What do you say? Ilva and Wendy, thank you all. So we've got to take a little break, though, right now. I'll be right back with more guests and more good information about waste when we get back right after this. We are back with Michelle Chickarelli Lirac, Very Good Foundation, Food Foundation, with another great show about waste. And in this segment, we have two more great guests. We have Maria Hesse. Is that right? Yep, that's right. She's a chef, designer, writer, food waste activist, and author of The Intentionalist Cooks and contributing editor to Edible San Diego. Welcome to the show, Maria. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
And also with us, we have Heather Dane, co-author with Louise Hay of The Bone Broth Secret, and I believe another book that I read about, and radio show host, Hay House Radio, health coach and 21st century medicine woman. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. All right, Michelle, where shall we start with these great guests? Well, I think, you know, if we're going to talk about reducing food waste, uh, a good place to start is with people who can talk to consumers about what they can do at home. Um, and both of these people have experience in, 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 in helping preserve and prepare and, and utilizing ingredients that others may not be familiar with. So this is this is good for reducing food waste. It's also good for stretching your food budget. So oh. Heather, why don't you why don't you start? Your- okay. Well, I think that one of the biggest things when it comes to reducing waste, is that we have to start thinking about what we're doing in our kitchens a little bit differently and preparing our foods a little bit differently. And for a lot of people, they don't have the time or they feel they don't have the time. And I can really identify with that because when I first started thinking about my health, I was a stressed out corporate executive working 12-hour days And I was told that if I didn't start eating better, my health was going to go way downhill. Mm. And finding the time became really difficult. So I learned a few strategies. I also learned that 25% of waste happens in our kitchens every day. So if we were to think a little bit differently about how we prepared food, then that would help. But here's the real kicker. We have to prioritize taking that extra time. Mm. I found that doing that for myself, taking the time to actually prepare food, pick recipes I really liked, plan ahead, was key to my healing because it got me to slow down. Mm. And slowing down helped me get out of my adrenaline lifestyle, and I started to prepare foods that worked for me. The interesting thing that I found over time is that the home cook is actually the original healer in the family. If you look at a family and you look at their blood tests, they usually come out very similar regardless of their health conditions, and that's because they eat the same and they have the same thoughts and lifestyle habits. The home cook, when they used to stir a pot on the, on the stove, would taste and add a little of this and a little of that. Mm-hmm. Intuitively, what they were actually doing was creating health for the family. Mm. When you cook at home, you get to add medicinal spices, which are the highest antioxidant, highest phytochemical Foods that we have on the planet today. Give us three or four of them. Ginger. Yes. Wonderful Mm anti-inflammatory. Turmeric. When you combine that with black pepper, another wonderful Mm anti-inflammatory. And there's also things like rosemary and thyme, which are great for moods and memory. And taste good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then we have sea salt. You know, people are using table salt. If they just started to use sea salt, they'd add minerals back into their diet. So suddenly you're starting to get healthier. And if we were to think about the original idea of sustainability. I go back to my Native American roots. I'm an Iroquois Indian. Mm. And um, what our tribe says is, in terms of sustainability, we take only what we need and we leave the rest for the next seven generations of humans and the next seven generations of the species. Good wisdom for everybody. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, But what about sustainability for ourselves? If we were to take more time out to pick recipes we loved, to actually make those recipes, to enlist friends and family to help us cook the food, to wash it ahead of time, cut it ahead of time, and put it in single serving so we can take it to lunch when we're going to work, all these little things we can do to plan ahead, we start realizing that we're taking time to nourish ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we live a sustainable life, we live a healthy life. When we are healthier and more nourished, we want to take those extra steps to nourish everyone around us, including Mother Earth. That's what it's all about. 
Yeah, you could be your own. Uh, I don't want to name the company, but they they do these prepackaged servings for diets, and you're paying big money for it. You're doing it. It's, it's DIY, right? Do exactly. it yourself. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And Maria has experience both at home as a personal chef in restaurants, and and look, you know, I was thinking about as you were talking, you're really talking about mindfulness, really on a level. Like, you know, when we when we go through those processes to prepare food, we also, you know, it's I always say it's hard. You can't really get in bad health a food that you create for yourself really i mean you'd have to it would be really hard well well, well, i'm discovering chai tea lattes now i think that's a little better for me than coffee but all those spices in there right yeah great spices watch the sugar i I know i know i'm very sensitive and i don't even like sweet things that much but if i can get a little less sweet that'd be great but yeah, Maria was a chef for uh, 10 years, personal chef, worked in small and large-scale restaurants, right, Maria? Uh, not as a chef in restaurants. I worked mainly in front of house and through management. Um, basically, every position in the restaurant that you could work, I did mm-hmm. in my career there. But I came out of a very large corporate environment, realizing that that wasn't the kind of food experience I wanted to continue to have in my life, because mm. I was witnessing um, a lot of what you spoke of, how there are a lot of healing and transformation through food and natural food, which is where I always say sustainability starts with food. Yeah. Because when you're doing what's best for your health, you're also doing what's best for the environment. And mm-hmm. so I started working, you know, very small scale in homes, going into people's houses and pre- preparing weekly meals, um, bigger, large family style portions that they could kind of break up and eat as they would like. Um, all of them as organic and unprocessed as possible, of course. In regard to waste and everything, I mean, is is it, are we better off for the more of a plant based diet and uh, de-emphasizing the meats? Is that I know it. I think what we need to promote is more conscientious consumerism when it comes to our food consumption. Mm. Um, bottom line: so if you are somebody who does eat meat, be very mindful of the meat that you eat. Either reduce your your portion of it or source it from places that you know are you know being generous to the environment as they take from it mm. uh, and those are those are important keys as far as maintaining meat consumption because it's it's healthier for you as a product in the long run what about tips for consumers like people at home what can they do like how do they use extra parts things are not carrot tops bones like what about things that we normally think of as waste but really aren't right as you know. so those are things that are really useful in stocks if you're making your own uh either vegetable or bone broths are really really popular right now but they can also just go into compost um you can grind them up and use them in salad dressings and make pestos and different things and they're they're very nourishing they just increase the flavor value of your food and, um, you know, you're, you're wasting less and you're, you're taking in more of that nutrient value that your body needs. Because so like tops, like I think so many people throw away the tops of all the vegetables. Right. I know that I think it's Whole Foods that they'll actually offer to rip the carrot tops off for you. And I think, well, hey, I want that. Yeah. It makes an awesome pesto or salad dressing. Ca- uh, carrot peels. Like we made a salad once out of all the peels. Like, you know, like these things taste good. They you know, do. They do. I, I happen to like beets and I uh, chop the tops off and saute that nice. with olive oil and garlic and all that. Joe, I'm proud of you. Everything, you know, Michelle, we're telling you, everything, everything's olive oil and garlic, you know, you can saute <laughs> anything for gosh sakes, yeah. right? <laughs> and beets are magical, really. <laughs> People talk about, uh, you know, how do I use these things? Well, to me, I'm a lazy chef. I love, I'm in the kitchen all the time, but I like to get in and I like to get out. And so if we take these scraps and we throw them into a crock pot or a stock pot, cover it right up with water and let it go. You only need one hour for a vegetable broth. 
Huh. And for a, the thing with factory farming with animal animal protein where we went wrong is we decided that 15% of the animal was the best part. Those were our choice cuts, which means we were ignoring 85% of the animal. That's the nightmare that we've created. Mm. If we were to go towards a bone broth, we would actually be using, we could reduce animal consumption up to 85%. We use the overlooked pieces that nobody wants. We can use the bones over and over again depending upon the type of bone that you're using, you suddenly have decreased your grocery budget. I can't believe how much my grocery budget has decreased <laughs> since I started. I choose um, grass-fed or pasture-fed animals, wild-caught fish, and I choose the things that are, people think are more expensive. But suddenly my grocery budget's going down because I'm using these overlooked cuts and bones and things like that and they're absolutely delicious and they give us collagen which heals the small intestine let me give you some aggregate numbers there about meat and seafood 20 for 20 percent of meat is lost and in the aggregate if you added that out uh, that's basically the poundage equivalent of 75 million cows, 35% efficient seafood, which is the equivalent of 3 billion Atlantic salmon. You know, it's because people want the filet and they don't want the rest. But the truth is that's where the flavor lives and most real good cooks. And by the way, we're not. this isn't something new. Like we say bone broth. I always love this. Like that's what grandma used to do. Yeah. This is what made them healthy, right? Mm-hmm. We just forgot a lot in our sort of consumer model of eating packaged processed food. Right. And like with with fish bone, that's where a lot of the good omega fats and the beneficial oils that you want from that fish reside. So you can make a broth from it and stop buying the capsules. Keep the bones. But anyway, we have to pause it right there. Maria Hessa and and, um, uh, Heather Dane. Thanks for being. We'll have their websites on our website, iwaymoney.com. So thanks for being our guests. And we'll come right back with more after this. Hang on. Welcome back to the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. And this is a time where Richard usually likes to thank our sponsors, but that is my job tonight. So we would like to thank UBS, Drew Friedis and Michael Caranta and their award-winning team in wealth management uh, over there. Uh, terrific sponsors. Signature Analytics and Jason Kruger, they provide great CFO services and CPA services and growing by leaps and bounds themselves with offices in the four states uh, right now. And then Polito Epic, the best CPAs on the planet, uh, up there in the sharp new offices in San Marcos. Kirk Gotro and Joel Greshkin and Cost Segregation Initiatives. They help real estate owners improve their cash flow all over the country. Big commercial projects. Uh, the law office of Brenda Geiger. She's tops uh, in her field of asset protection and estate planning up there in North County. And one of our favorite banks, California Republic Bank, Lane Elliott and Sean Puckett. Uh, they have their own niche uh, serving wealthy families and family offices. And Mars Maddox Insurance, also known as Hub International, Neil Staley who's uh, related to one of our guests here today. (laughs) Uh, And his group, they're one of the best uh, businesses uh, in the area of employment benefits. And Lombardi Group, Anthony Lombardi, helping CPAs and attorneys throughout the U.S. with great educational events and helping connect up CPAs with their best clients. Uh, Paul Hines and his Hearthstone Private Wealth Management also heads up Senior Safe and Sound, helping helping, uh, prevent uh, financial abuse of elders, and uh, Very Good Food Foundation, of course, one of our great sponsors. We love them, and they're obviously uh, taking over the whole show today. And uh, in the world of uh, a mortgage, Nathan Watkins and Worldwide Financial, if you're in the market to refinance or, or get a loan, uh, he's a great resource to have. And uh, down to Lestat's Coffee Houses, just opened their third location at 1041 University. The original's over Normal Heights, second one in University Heights, uh, 
been serving San Diego since 1977 and uh, open 24-7-365. And the new one will be at that level in about another month. And also a special thank you to the Patio Group and the Patio Restaurants, Patio on Lamont, Patio on Mission Hills and Goldfinch, and uh, several other enterprises in Gina Champion Kane. Thank you for their support. And if you get over to our website, iowamenu.com, there is a drop-down menu. Or just go to the sponsor page. All their information is there, everything you need to know. And many have been working with Richard for many, many years with great success. And now on to the rest of the show. Back with Michelle ciccarelli Lyrac and our two guests this segment. We have with us, uh, we'll just go one at a time, I guess, Ali Tarantino, creator of Waste Not San Diego and Specialty Produce, which is right down there in Hancock Street. You can go in there as a consumer and walk around and see all the great stuff. Welcome to the show, Ali. Thanks for having me. Now, Michelle, what kind of points did, would you like Allie to cover? Well, so, look, we talk about, like, reducing waste, right? And the first goal is to feed humans. And at Specialty, Allie's involved with two programs. First is Feed Humans, and then is Feed Animals. So tell us about the two programs, one that you started, dreamed up, and the other one that's been going on. Sure, sure. So our program that we cre- created is Waste Not San Diego. There's other programs out here, so we're really excited to get this started in San Diego on a big scale. Um, So as a produce distributor, we go to over 900 restaurants all over San Diego County. You can imagine coming from restaurants, there's a ton of food that gets wasted. So we're already going there, so it's easy enough. What we do with this program is once they're signed on, we provide them with kits. It's a box, aluminum trays, and they package it up. So when we're already going there, we pick it up, bring it back to the warehouse, and it gets picked up by one of our nonprofit partners. This is so great because you already have the infrastructure, you have the IT system in place, and instead of you delivering produce to the restaurants, which every restaurant in town you know, utilizes your services, instead you're offering them the opportunity to create food, generate food, giving them all those supplies using the same delivery mechanism and get that food to uh, the food banks. And I think that is so amazing because what I like about it is I want, you know, sort of every business out there who's, you know, connecting with other businesses and whatever it is, they they don't have to be delivering food. Is there a way that they too can join in this process to help get food to hungry people? And I I think this is so great. And you're also uh, collecting other Uh, food that is for animals. Tell me about that. Right. So you mentioned our IT and our information system really is incredible. It allows us to be incredibly efficient uh, and scalable. So we really only generate 2% waste out of our warehouse, which is really impressive. That's 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 lower than the industry. That is lower than industry standard. So the waste that we do have, you know, it's food that is on the verge of turning or it's past its sell by date. All of that gets put into these blue barrels, and we work, we work with Zadik Farms, Nathan Rakoff. He's really wonderful. He comes twice a week from Alpine, picks up about 14 barrels at a time. So we're talking about 5,000 pounds of waste a week that would just go to a landfill. Instead, he's bringing it back to his farm, and he's able to feed his animals with that. It's fantastic because, mm. and you know, we, all of us generate waste that could go to farmers for their animals. You know, if, if it's not human suitable, it's certainly animal suitable. And I think that's so great that as a business that you include that in your model and, you know, that it's part of sort of the, your relationship to the community and, and how important you think that that role is. And, and I, hats off to you and the company for doing it. Mm-hmm. How about now we turn to our next guest, uh, Michelle, we have in studio with us. He's a principal of Excuse me, Green Core Capital, clean technology investor and pioneer and advisor to Envision Solar and ECOR, which he'll tell us about. But Kevin Davis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. So you're more in the, the business end of things, and um, and how does that relate to waste and, and everything else we've been talking about today? So we funded and helped develop a local technology company called ECOR, and what it's developed is a composite technology company that converts uh, agricultural waste and other types of cellulose fiber waste into advanced building materials. 
Mm-hmm. So we're taking everything from cardboard and paper waste to um, coffee grounds, spent brewer's grains, and a range of other agricultural waste and creating a new material that can compete with wood, plywood, particle board, cardboard, and be used for all of those applications. So anything from building products and materials to furniture and fixtures, we're really doing that with a, you know something that's otherwise going to landfill right now. Wow. And that's happening in San Diego right, right here now? in San Diego and East Village. East Village. So you've got buildings being built with waste. We've developed apartment complexes with it. We've done furniture and fixtures. We've done literally everything you can do from a building material we're building right now. Wow. Do you have a website where all that is uh, visible to see what, what would be? At ecorglobal.com, you can see what we're doing right now. So that's E-C-O-R global.com. Correct. Well, wow. this is so great, Joe, because look, look, in an ideal world, you know, we reduce the agricultural waste and then we feed people and then we feed, you know, animals. Right. And then we compost. But it still doesn't all get there. And he's creating a product building materials. And instead of then taking other new resources, he's using, you know, a mix of agriculture. And I love the cardboard mixed with ag. And I think he said corn cob husk plus cardboard equals building material, replacing drywall and press board. I mean, this is so good. And, and, and again, I think the import here is to think outside of the box like what can people in the business community do or add to help solve this equation i think they're i saw something recently on one of the morning shows over the weekend where they're taking they're building like 12-story buildings with uh i think they're they're taking uh plastics and whatever and uh making it into uh, walls and and wood-like structures right oh absolutely there's lots of innovative things people are doing right now to do use recycled materials to create buildings and infrastructure but it's really become a very costly thing to do right now and so what we've done is create something that's you know cost competitive right now and so on scale we can compete with wood and plywood and basic building materials but we create something that we think is is healthier it's cleaner and it's stronger and so i think it's you know to get there and to do things that are greener it takes a lot of innovation and a lot of cost and i think we're finally achieving that so are you getting into the the big um I, I guess, uh, you know, like the Home Depots of the world or the Dixie Lines, are they uh, are they receptive to this? Or? Not yet, but we have a lot of IKEA DNA in the company. One of our you know early investors and advisors is uh, Rene Hostler, who brought IKEA to San Diego. He brought it to North America. And one of his mentors is Andres Moberg, who was the CEO of IKEA Group and then international president for Home Depot. And so they've been really trusted advisors of us for the last few years. And so we think that we'll get there. It's going to take a decade. How These companies some the, move How about some of the more visionary architects like uh, Rob Quigley, for instance? Um, you know, if you maybe get to some of the architects, maybe they could start incorporating some of this. We've today. had some of them. Gensler's been a great friend of ours over the years. They've incorporated us in a lot of projects. We were just featured in uh, one of Amazon's new buildings. Google's hmm. used us. So hmm. we're being used by a lot of the big architects, but it's on small one-off projects right now. Yeah, you got to get to Elon Musk, I guess. That but look, what, <laughs> look, one of the things that he raised, and, and you raised a follow-up, which is, you know, he's not using toxic materials as some of the other recycled materials might be. Hmm. And remember, again, when we get back to greenhouse gas emissions, you know, you know, greenhouse gases emitted from food and organic waste in landfills is one of the biggest, biggest contributors to greenhouse gas. If food waste were a country, it would be number three in the world in greenhouse gas emissions after China and the United States, just to put it into perspective. Yeah. Wonderful. I think we're coming up on a break, though, right, Justin? So, um, look, we're going to come right back. Uh, I want to thank Ali Tarantino and Kevin Davis for being our guests. We'll come back with some more great information and guests right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with Michelle Ciccarelli-Lirac, Very Good Food Foundation founder, CEO, chief inspiration officer, and all that good stuff. And Tommy's with us in studio, her famous little <laughs> Brains chihuahua. Brains of the operation. The world, the world traveled Tommy. <laughs> the chihuahua. We should get a picture of him. We'll put it on the website, Michelle. But uh, in this segment, we're wrapping up with uh, all about reimagining food waste. And we have uh, uh, people from the farming industry and recycling. Uh, 
one guest to my immediate left here is Noel Staley. He's co-owner of Staley Farms Organics and uh, Staley Farms Markets and Staley Ranch. I think they just opened in Kensington. We'll ask him about that. Third-generation California farmer, second-generation San Diego. And how many people do you know like that? Former president of the San Diego Farm Bureau. Welcome to the show, Noel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure to have you. Also, we have with us the founder of Closing the Loop. He's the owner of Recon Recycling, integrated zero-waste recycling solutions for homes and businesses to, pro- uh, to pr- produce animal feed, energy, and raw materials for manufacturing. And his name is Chris Young. Chris, welcome to our show. Thank you. Our pleasure. Um, Michelle, where, where would you like to start? Well, look, you know, we're, we're talking about reducing food waste and then reallocating as it should be, first to humans, and then we talk about feeding animals, and then we talk about you know, composting, and then there's business use on the bottom. We went a little out of order here. That was to accommodate schedules. But mm-hmm. so actually both of our guests this segment are really working on the feed animals and the compost side of things. Uh, and so, Noel, tell us about what you do because you have uh, three sort of, well, two businesses that can have, that can work together to make this work within your universe. And I think it's very, very interesting. So, yeah, so we have Staley Farms Organics, um, part of our Staley Ranch, the original farm. And then we branched out and opened a couple of uh, stores. And um, we have juice bars in our stores, and the, the initial waste that came to the ranch from the stores was from those juice bars. It became the, the ground-up products, vegetables and, and fruits, and we started feeding that to our uh, chickens and, and our animals. And it's grown from there to everything that, that can be recycled out of the stores gets recycled. And, uh, but, but that ground-up pulp, is amazing and it's kind of fun to watch. I should probably do a YouTube video of those chickens. <laughs> like they part like the Red Sea when we back those trucks in and unload those trash cans. Have the eggs actually tasted better since you started doing that? Have you noticed any difference in quality or, or anything else? Well, the, the uh, chickens that we raise now is much different than what I grew up in. I grew up in a commercial chicken operation and uh, that was the best day of my life when I got out of that in sixth grade. <laughs> I could have carried 50 birds in each hand. But um, that was back in the sixth grade. Now we have, you know, instead of 180,000 chickens on 10 acres or five acres, we have uh, 500 chickens on the whole 300 acres. And we move them around every couple of weeks. Happy so they're, chickens. They're always pecking at the ground. Yeah, they're very happy. And then we add this these barrels of compost waste they're not compost actually it would go to compost we call them the compost cans at the store Mm -hmm. but they don't go to compost they go right to the chickens the chickens peck at it and it's gone within minutes wow yeah so So, and and actually you raise the chickens to sell as food right Uh, we raise them for the eggs oh for the egg oh for the egg for the eggs and and you also have other animals i I love that your (laughs) pigs and and sheep are are grazing and in your groves tell us about that right so i've always had animals on the farm growing up and i got back into it a little bit over time and i i bought these uh baby doll sheep they're real short and so (laughs) they don't eat the trees or if they do they don't eat very high up and uh they graze under the trees and we're organic. So we're not spraying weeds. So you're either out there with a tractor mowing or with a weed eater. Well, our weed eaters are four legged and you don't have to put gas in the tank. Hmm. And then our pigs are in literally mobile pins. The, the pins are very heavy. They're built out of old well pipe and uh, they're welded together. And then they have skis on the, on the bottom side of them. So we literally hook a chain to those pins and pull them forward every two days so that the the pigs will root up the ground with, where they're working. So they do their business, and they which uh, helps my business. <laughs> and then and they're very healthy. They get a nice shade because they're under the trees. 
So you're an, entre- you're an entrepreneur, so to yes, speak. Yes, an right? entrepreneur. Oh, I like that. An entrepreneur. Yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> well, look, I mean, the, 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 on the farm, you know, things that would otherwise often, you know, on, a, on a, a produce farm, things that go to waste would be fallen fruit, bruised fruit. But instead, he's got a little Hoover's down there eating them. Awesome. And the pigs are pretty happy about it. They're eating the natural grasses. So he's got it going on at the farm. And then he also has a retail outlet. So he's making juice, uh, which creates the pulp. And then that goes back in. And look, this pulp, like everybody loves cold pre- pressed juices. But that pulp from that process is a really big chunk of of food waste that's being generated at the Mm -hmm. moment. There are some other businesses using it to create sort of veggie chips up in L.A. You know, that's great innovation like that. Whatever we can do. I like, you know, his is sort of holistic. It's on site. Nothing's going to waste. And the compost, you know, feeds the soil. The soil grows the produce. And, you know, it's a perfect microcosm. And it's actually a reflection of what, you know, people, if they have a small amount of space, you know, you can have a chicken in San Diego. You can have a, a small garden and you can create that same little triangle in your own space even if it's 20 feet square and that's my problem with juice i think we're better off eating the whole carrot rather than the carrot juice myself and and, and all these other juices i think you're better off eating the whole vegetable so um right juice has its place look right. you know i mean look you know we like we all need fiber but juice is still good and yeah. and the, the real point is like hey let's figure out a way to use that and i think what noel does is is brilliant so. as a farmer i look at it as any way I can get them to eat my vegetables, <laughs> you know, whether it's at my Staley Farms market or at my Staley Farms farm stand, you know, yeah. I, I want it. I want That's it either great. way. And we also have with us uh, Chris Young with uh, closing the loop, which sounds like an interesting operation. Chris, can what can you tell us? Um, well, we kind of do exactly what St- uh, Noel here does, but we do it for uh, a much larger commercial scale. So we're picking up food waste from restaurants, from grocery stores, um, and and. Um, universities as well. And what we do is we actually bring that back to our facility. Um, we also do recycling and we do oil pickup for biodiesel, that kind mm. of stuff. So we're completely integrated in that. But what we're doing is we're kind of going one step further. We're not feeding that directly to animals, but we're feeding that to um, black soldier flies. So well, they're small animals. They're very small <laughs> animals. So we're, we're, we're growing insects to then feed to animals. Huh. As a food source, insects for animals. Yes, um, and, it, and it's amazing because, um, you know, just real quickly about these black soldier fly, um, you know, they're 40% protein, and grain is only 18% protein. Huh. Um, what uh, Noel was saying about, you know, being able to feed, you asked him if, if the chickens taste different. Well, if we feed, and here's the beautiful thing about these black soldier fly, they like protein, so they'll eat meat. So now we can take care of all this meat product that's going to the landfill. Um, rather than trying to compost it because it's, it's, you know, it's just a, it becomes a big mess trying to compost huh. it. But if we feed, say, fish, strictly fish to these black soldier fly, and then we feed these black soldier fly to uh, Noel's leg ayers, uh, the birds take on the uh, uh, omega-3 acids, and then the eggs will take them on as well. So then hmm. we can actually create omega-3 fatty acid eggs using these black soldier flies. So no, and eliminating waste. So yes. no, have, have you tried some of uh, Chris's products? Not yet. We were All just right. talking about it. I see your head shaking over there. Sounds <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Well, maybe we just create a little synergy here, Michelle. Look at the great stuff you do. So maybe he'll try some of that on his uh, livestock. Who knows? But, uh, well, that's great, uh, Chris. Uh, what, what compelled you to get into this? What's your back? I mean, were you a biologist in school or... Um, I actually, well, in college, I, uh, I studied biochemistry at the University of South uh, Carolina, so, uh-huh. so I'm a Gamecock. <laughs> um, but, um, and a veteran. <laughs> and a veteran. How about that? The, uh, but I, uh, I grew up on orchards. Uh, my grandparents had an orchard, had a thousand-acre orchard in Maryland. Uh, my great-grandparents had a dairy. Um, and so I just grew up farming. So, you know, back then, you know, 
we that was just not normal practice. You know, we, our food waste, whatever didn't get eaten for dinner, went outside, and and got eaten by the the chickens or whatever. So mm-hmm. we never had this like food waste going into the trash kind of situation. Um, and so once I got out of the Navy, um, I kind of wanted to get back to my roots and um, and I started actually working with Susie's Farm, but then you know just branched out and started my own thing you know so, I, I just want to follow up what you said it, it not just you but across the country in the united states we now consumers waste 50 percent more food today than we did in the 70s true. and it's interesting it's not just the changes in the way we live but we're just we've just become more wasteful we had to sort of get back to the earth you know sorry yeah. no that's oh, great true. great great insight so chris where where's uh where you where's your uh, facility located in what part of, count, of the county uh, we're actually in National City right now. We okay. just, uh, you know, we just purchased. Uh, it used to be called Recon Recycling. Uh, it's going to be, you know, renamed to Closing the Loop. But it's a twelve thousand square foot uh, warehouse uh, right across from the naval base, so it's perfect. Outstanding. Um, and so we're we just moved in last month, and that's where we're going to be. Hey, National City Main Street. I want to tell you, Ryan Brothers is great. And no, you guys are what Escondido or North County somewhere. We're in Valley Center, and Valley then the Center. two stores are down here. One right near USD. It's just the one that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we have to take it, wrap it up, though, right about here. So, Noel Staley and Chris Young, thanks for being our guests. Michelle Chickarelli, Lyric, and Tommy, thanks for being on the show and making it so great. We like to thank Richard. Hope you're having a great vacation or whatever you're doing. Thanks to Justin Hart, our board operator, for making it sound terrific, and to um, uh, Craig Blanke, our con executive, for making a, for being a great. And also to Dave Sniff, our program genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com, and every link uh, from this show today you can find there. So have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.